This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time at Core Brain Journal, and we have a very interesting guest that's right on topic with a topic that I'm very interested in, and that is the confluence, the connections, the, the relationship between brain and heart. And it is Dr. Stephen Masley, and he's going to join us and tell us about his new book, Better Brain Solution. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us, Stephen. I'm, I'm delighted to be with you today. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk, have a couple of words from our sponsors here to start off with. And then we'll go in and have the full uh, intro. The Core Brain Journal is sponsored by a variety of individuals, two people, Direct Health Access Laboratories with over 3 million studies. They are deep leaders of experience with the big picture of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges, all relevant to brain function. They provide a global service with a molecular focus and, you know, if you don't have a need for a lab yourself, p- please pass this along to your physician because these measurements can be very helpful in significant treatment failure. So head over to DHA Lab, singular, dhalab.com forward slash core for more information and plenty of references on these what sound like arcane but really useful measurements. And Corporate Journal is also sponsored by the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia, where they provide a holistic environment that sets children, teens, and families on the path to healing. They have a comprehensive attitude about what they're doing. They're interested in the biomedical influences that cause treatment failure. And part of their whole situation is evaluating a person much more comprehensively than the average residential care. So if a person's been a failure at acute care, failure in therapy, failure with meds. Uh, We really appreciate working with Barry Robinson because they chase the details down. And they're available over at Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, Robinson.org forward slash core. Run over and see what you think about them. So let me introduce Dr. Stephen Masley to you. Uh, Basically what happens, he is a physician and he's multi-talented. He's a nutritionist. He's a trained chef. I don't think we're going to get to eat at his restaurant tonight, folks. He's an author and a creator of the number one all-time health program for public television, 30 Days to a Younger Heart. Very significant. He helps motivate people tune up their heart, uh, brain, and sexual performance. He's a fellow with three prestigious organizations, the American Heart Association, the American College of Nutrition, and the American Academy of Family Physicians. His research focuses on the impact of lifestyle choices on heart health, brain function, and aging. His passion is empowering people to achieve optimal health through comprehensive assessments and lifestyle changes. You've heard that before here at Core Brain Journal. As a best-selling author, he's published several books, 10 Years Younger, The 30-Day Heart Tune-Up, Smart Fat, and his latest book, the Better Brain Solution. I want to hear about smart fat, too, if you don't mind. We'll look forward to talking. And he has uh, 
authored also a number of, uh, in, in addition, uh, scientific articles. His work has been viewed by millions on PBS, the Discovery Channel, the Today Show, and over 500 media interviews. He continues to see patients and publish research from his medical clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. And he offers weekly blogs on his website, www.drmasley.com. Masley so, Stephen, thanks so much for joining us. We're looking forward to how did you get into this whole thing where you pulled all this information together so successfully? What were the uh, influences that led you down that path? Well, Chuck, I, I am in a clinic, and we measure optimal aging. We look at over 100 markers of how someone's aging, their blood pressure, their cholesterol, but, you know, traditional things. But also we look at artery plaque growth. Are you growing plaque or is it shrinking? We look at brain processing speed and memory and focus and attention. And we correlate that with nutrition and fitness and stress management and toxin exposure. So from all of this database, we've published multiple studies. And we can look at what things predict if your artery plaque is growing or shrinking, if your brain is getting sharper and more productive and faster, or if it's slowing and you're having memory loss. And we, as I said, we correlate that with what you eat, the nutrients you get, your fitness, your stress management, whether you have toxins in your life or not. And so we've created a five-step plan and when people follow that, we've actually shown in a randomized trial that you can improve your brain processing speed, your executive brain function by 25%. So really, there's this huge correlation that right things that are good for your heart turn out to be really good for your brain. Mm -hmm. And you can literally prevent heart attacks, prevent memory loss, and have a better brain at the same time. Fantastic. Now, Stephen, how did you start? Did you open up with the brain first or did you come to the brain second after you were involved as a family practitioner with heart health? How did all that happen? Well, I mean, I started clear back in residency in the early 90s doing research studies for American Heart Association and published data on them. So I've been collecting data on how lifestyle impacts heart disease for 30 years. Mm. I think over the last 10 to 15 years, we've been collecting brain data from cognitive testing and looking at brain speed and brain performance and memory. And over 15 years of data collection, we've got this huge database that helps us identify what nutrients do you need? What foods do you need? What should you avoid? What things give you a better brain? So that's really, yes, I, you're, I think you hit it right on the head. I started more with more focus on heart research, but certainly the brain aspect of that has grown over 15 years. Well, you know, I think the brain's the canary in the coal mine. A lot of times people, I mean, it's been great that people have paid attention to heart health. And, you know, it started a long time ago with Pritikin and really paying attention to things uh, that were influencing from our environment and influencing our heart health. And I'm very interested in hearing you talk about cholesterol and the, and the um, those kinds of things. But I think what happens is once you go into uh, studying heart, then eventually it's easy to wind up at brain because you can see the influence uh, that really comes up with brain health. And I was so interested to hear you talk about executive function. Executive function is one of our favorite topics because it's so frequently overlooked. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, Absolutely. You know, and you know, when we actually published data from our earlier data on artery plaque growth and cardiovascular risk factors, we found that those were very, they predicted powerfully whether you got good brain processing speed or sluggish and slow. So if you're growing plaque, almost in, that was one of the strongest predictors of decreased brain performance. If you had some of the like low fitness or elevated blood sugar or abnormal blood pressure, all of those predict decreased uh, brain performance. So interesting. I mean, that is, that is really great to know. What happens? Let's talk a little bit about your clinic uh, just to get on topic with that. And then we'll talk about your, brain, your book in just a moment. But what happens if a person wanted to get the kind of it's stimulating? I mean, you've done the research, so you ha- and you've written some books about it. So, what does a person do to be evaluated by you? How does all that take place? We do about an hour history and physical to really get detailed background information. We have someone fill out a fifteen to twenty page questionnaire on what they eat, who do they live with, what stresses them, what symptoms do they have, what. You know, so it really it focuses on the food you eat, the nutrients you get, that your fitness, both physical fitness and mental fitness, your stress management, and your toxin exposure. And I have found that if we focus on those things, it's amazing um, when you put them together, the synergy you get in improving overall health. You know, it's bone health, it's brain health, it's heart health, it's romantic function. Everything seems to get better if you really focus on those pillars. So what were the impediments that you found in getting started? Before we, again, I'm still interested in listening to your book, but I, in, in terms of following a little bit of a narrative of who is this person, what, how did you actually take that next step to put all this together? Did you have some bounces along the way, some aha moments, something that said, hey, I'm going to have to dig a little more deeply with this. Well, I mean, sadly, you know, insurance doesn't cover assessing nutrition and fitness and stress and toxins. So one thing I had to get out of was taking insurance and just say, okay, we would charge someone a good value for our time and for the tools to do these measurements. So that was like a quantum leap to leave, I mean, one, I had to leave the insurance industry because they wanted me to see 30, 40 people a day and focus on people's yeah. symptoms, yeah. not on lifestyle. So I had to, get, it had to get out of that. If I wanted to transform people's life, you have to look at the food they eat, their nutrients, their fitness, their stress, and their toxins, or you'll never get there. So I, that That's so, That's so true. Now we lost you there for a second. Are you still there? We are still recording, um, but something happened. We got you unplugged or something. That's interesting. How's that now? Now I heard you back. We'll just take that part out. I went to mute without me doing anything. It just kind of went to mute on its own. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I will. We'll take that part out of it. I'll take a little note on it. And okay, sorry about that. I don't know how that happened, but things happen. I mean, you know, that's the fun of doing these things. It's just like. You know, you can't fly without being in the rain sometimes, you know. So we were talking, though, about it. It is interesting, and I'm glad you shared that because I think what happens is the medical system is built to not do the kind of work you're doing. I mean, it's actually set up that, you know, I mean, the denial system, the medical denial system is set up 
to not look at these things as relevant because, uh, and, and what happens with a person like you, I'm sure you've experienced it in your medical community. What is this guy doing? Why is he doing it? And, and had to persevere in spite of people saying, uh, what, what is this? Or what, are you on the, you're on the wild side over there. Does it make any sense? Well, fortunately, I haven't had that experience because I've been collecting data and publishing it. So I, I have spoken at almost 200, 250 CME medical meetings for doctors getting their mm -hmm. education. So I've, I speak around the country. I publish data. I go to you know, meetings by the American Heart Association, the, the American College of Nutrition. So I'm a, I'm a researcher. So I mm -hmm. can't argue with data. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's our theme entirely. It's totally our theme. Why? So that's this been my saving grace. I guess that was the other thing is I've always collected data and we've done randomized trials to show our program worked. Most people don't do that. Yeah, that's true. They make up some relatively good idea recommendations and they fly with them and some people feel better and so they feel compelled that they work. But we've done more than that. We've actually done randomized trials and showed that the program gets the results we want. And I guess those would be the two biggest breaks that I've had career-wise is doing those two things and being credible, presenting at medical meetings and um, that makes a big difference. It definitely does. I mean, the data makes the difference. So tell us about the Better Brain Solution. Let's jump quickly over into that area and talk about some of the things that you've discovered in your research that are relevant for getting our brains to really operate correctly. Well, we've, we've identified specific foods that are really good for your brain. And I did a, a literature search and read over 1,500 scientific articles to help support that and back it up as well. So, you know, so there's foods we can add that are good for our brain and there's foods that are harm it. And the number one cause, right now we're facing something cataclysmic today in that memory loss is increasing at exponential rates, at rapid epidemic rates we've never seen before. And it's because of elevated blood sugar levels and insulin resistance. That mm -hmm. more and more people are eating more refined carbs, more sugar, more flour, um, they're missing out on the key nutrients and um, foods they need for their brain. So the, the, right now, the most expensive disease in America is memory loss. And it's going to double in just the next 12 to 13 years. Double. That so, is amazing. And it's because of lifestyle choices. It's not a lack of a drug. It's not, you know, some virus out there. Uh, it's, it's lifestyle choices we're making that are causing this. So if we add the right food... If we add the right nutrients and we manage our stress and we avoid a few brain toxins, wow, I mean, it's, you get a dramatic improvement. And that's what the Better Brain Solution is all about. That's what the book's about. That's what our program's about, is giving people simple, easy-to-follow steps that will truly improve their brain performance quickly. Well, let me ask you a question that many of our informed audience uh, listeners are, are thinking about right now, and that is the whole thing that came up uh, years ago with Barry Sears and omega-3 fatty acids because omega-3 fatty acids are directly related to uh, heart function, brain function, and vascular function. So what is your take from your perspective on omega-3s as a supplement and in relationship to what you were just talking about inflammation and so on? Well, I think of them as a food and a supplement. I mean, the best source to me would be like wild seafood, 
cold water, smallmouth fish that are not high in mercury. So wild salmon, soles, sardines, um, mussels, oysters from cold water sources have these omega-3 fats. Our brain is 40% omega-3 fat by weight. It's over 60% by weight fat. We need healthy fat. You know, from the PeriMed study, we know that when people go on a low-fat diet, it increases their memory loss and causes cognitive decline. And if you gave them more olive oil and if you give them more nuts, they actually had an improvement in cognitive function and it helped prevent memory loss. So we definitely want adding smart fat into our diet, not a low-fat diet. And, you know, so the smart fats are like avocado and avocado oil and nuts and extra virgin olive oil and dark chocolate. But you said it, those omega-3 fats are especially important. It's the long chain ones that come from seafood um, that really have the best benefit. That's what our brain DHA is mostly made out of. Um, it's not the medium chain ones that are, I think, get more marketing than they probably deserve. Well, they do. I want to ask you a question about that in, in uh, just a moment. But the other thing that occurred to me while you were talking about it was, it's interesting because in a way you're taking a slightly different uh, tact, tact than Pritikin took. And I want to just amplify on this a little bit because for many years, so many people said, you know, you've just got to do carbs and you got to like stay away from fats. And and then we've even had people recently say even omega-3s can create a problem. I think the cardiologist doesn't, his name doesn't occur to me right at this moment from Cleveland Clinic. Was Esselstein. Esselstein. Dr. Esselstein. That's, that's the one. He was, so what's your take on that controversy? Well, I, I think Esselstein's work, you know, the idea of eating um, unprocessed food, vegetables, fruits, nuts, beans, compared to the standard American diet, is a dramatic improvement. No doubt about it. When you take a standard American diet, which is killing people today and torturing them, if you switch to a low-fat um, diet full of vegetable, fruit, beans, and nuts, you get a definite improvement. But if you were to add smart fats to it, it would even be better. And I think the data for omega-3 fats is now overwhelming and fairly conclusive. Uh, you know, you have, to, you have to make sure you get the right dosage of DHA and EPA, not just omega-3 fats. It's the DHA and EPA that make a difference. And genotype makes a difference, too. People with the APOE4 gene, um, they somehow do not seem to get the uptake into their brain that the other 80% of the population does. They need double the dose. And it shouldn't be rancid. You have to be very careful about the quality of your long chain omega-3 fats. They go rancid very easily. 90% of fish oil sold in the US is actually illegal in Europe and New Zealand and Australia. So it's very important we get good quality, the right amount, and um, you get it the right dosage for the right people. And when you look at those factors, I think it's overwhelming that it's beneficial. Fantastic. Now, let me ask you this question. We touched on it quickly. Um, and that was the quick reference to medium chain. And what I was thinking about there is obviously there's a considerable amount of discussion going on with coconut oil and all the various coconut oil subsets. So what, what's your take on, on, on the coconut oil, uh, coconut oil 
uh, encouragement that's taking place. Okay, so there's medium chain omega-3 fats like flaxseed. That's not, that's not what you're referring to. You're talking about the medium chain triglycerides that are in coconut oil. Yes, sir. So medium chain, tri I just wanted to make sure our, our listeners got the difference because we went from one topic to the other. I apologize. Yep. No, so the medium chain triglycerides, it's a really good question. So um, Dr. Henderson did some really fascinating research on this. He took people with mild cognitive impairment and he gave them 20 grams a day of MCT oil. Those are those sh very short five to eight carbon um, chains. And they had an improvement in brain performance. Their brain was able to use MCT oil like, flu like fuel, like we currently use glucose. Um, it didn't work for the APOE4 genotype though. Um, so for the 80% of the population without that, those people with mild cognitive impairment, mild memory loss, had improvement with MCT fats. But remember, coconut oil is only 20% MCT oil. It's mostly lauric acid, which is kind of like antimicrobial activity. So really, if we're looking at using MCT oil, we're not talking about – and, and coconut oil, you're right, is marketed as that, but it's not, that's not the primary source. You'd actually have to buy directly MCT oil to get that benefit. I think coconut oil can be a healthy fat. Um, you just can't cook with it at high temperature because it has a sm uh, low smoke point. And it does have some of these beneficial MCT oils in it. So I think that's, that's an area for a lot of interest in the future and research. Sadly, there's not much research really being done or published on it. Thanks for clarifying that. I really appreciate it because as soon as somebody says medium chain, I'm like, I'm like over in the coconut side. And uh, that's very helpful now. When uh, do they manufacture MCT oil separately from coconut oil? Yeah, there's several um, companies out making it now since this research has come out. Um, people are putting in their coffee in the morning, you know, fasting, doing partial fasting and skipping breakfast and just having coffee with MCT oil in it. So, I mean, there's several ways it's being used now. I talk a lot about that in the Better Brain Solution in detail. Oh, that's great. Look, look forward to it. That is very, very interesting. We covered a lot of bases there very quickly. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, where are you with exercise? What does, what's the minimum one should do? What, how, does, how does one approach the exercise issue? Well, our research, when we looked at what would it take to make your brain quicker, sharper, be more productive, less forgetful, uh, exercise was like one of the most powerful factors out there. In fact, they've done studies where they randomized fairly inactive people, 80-year-olds, inactive 80-year-olds, to either adding exercise or not. Those who didn't exercise, their brain shrunk, especially the hippocampus, the memory center. And those who did exercise, their brain literally got bigger. It grew in size and they had a bigger memory center and their cognitive function improved. So our research matches that. Our data from our clinic shows that adding more either aerobic activity or independently strength training, both of them improve your cognitive performance. Literally, it's like getting a quicker, better computer to work with. So there's really a big benefit to giving people, uh, you know, more activity. And it's not about the minutes. It's not how many minutes you work out. You want to get aerobically fit. So, you know, making yourself huff and puff and sweat is really good. Doing some strength training and lifting weights is really good. Both of those independent, huge benefit for your brain. 
So then let's take it for, we're going to take a break here in just a moment. But one of the questions I want to ask you when we get back is how that entire situation of the heart health is connected with the brain health and some of the ways that we can begin to measure either one or both to understand whether in fact there is progress being made. Some of the measurement tools that you use, we'd be very interested in hearing about that. We'll be back, folks, in just a moment. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those very, very brief hospitalizations, may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression, on every level for families, including military families, internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living How do we know? We refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing. So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's D-H-A-L-A-B.com forward slash core. Thank you so much, Dr. Stephen Masley. We really appreciate you coming on board here. And this is so interesting because you're getting right down into some details that are so relevant in all of our lives. And, and you know, you have this uh, very practical approach to it. So the question is, uh, are there any specific measurement tools that you recommend for a person on the street or even if the physicians that are listening that you say from your experience, this is something we really should be doing much more uniformly so we have better data and we know what the, uh, the, the ground rules are in terms of what we're working on? Well, yeah, there are. Because, I mean, the standard tools like the mini mental status exam, and what they ask is, what year is it? You probably know this. <laughs> what year is it? Who's the president? What city are you in? I mean, they ask, if you don't know the answer to those, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, right. Your brain is really shrunk. That is too late. But that's the standard of what we ask people today. And it's not enough. Yeah. I mean, I've got a quiz that you could, you know, people could list, you know, a brain symptom score, more sophisticated. We need either a better quiz to get started. But, with, you know, even beyond the quiz, which I really like, 
would be cognitive, computerized cognitive testing. Something that doesn't take any computer skills. Anybody could sit down and either push the space bar or the shift bar. And how do you assess your mental sharpness, your memory? I like that. A simple, easy to take test, um, inexpensive, simple to do. Even if you have symptoms, maybe your insurance would even cover it. So that's, that's my, one of my favorite tools for the brain. I think imaging is great. You could do, you know, PET scans of the brain. Um, you could do MRIs and look at volume of the brain center, the memory center, the hippocampus. But now we're into thousands of dollars. So, yeah. so for something, you know, like $100 range, you can do cognitive brain testing. I think it's fantastic. Or at least take my quiz um, that, to get an idea of how you're doing. For your heart, I like to measure plaque. I use ultrasound. We do carotid intimal medial thickness. We actually measure what is the thickness of the carotid artery, which has a 95% correlation with the whole body. I mean, those are actually, and I like doing, you know, I like measuring people's nutrient needs, what foods do they eat, what nutrients do they get, and I like measuring fitness. So those are my top four things. Um, how fit are you? Are you meeting your nutrient needs? Is your brain speed good? Mm -hmm. And are you growing plaque? Those are like, I mean, I could give you more, but those are my top four. Those are big. Now, so where can they, we'll talk more about this when we close, but since we're right at it, uh, tell us where they can go in to take that quiz of yours. Is that available on your website or how yeah, is on the, Under drmasley.com. We're offering it for free right now to celebrate the new book, The Better Brain Solution, coming out. We've got a, we offer it on the website. They can go take the quiz. And as a bonus, when they get the results, I give them my Better Brain Shopping Guide. So they get this cool quiz. It only takes like one or two minutes to take. It gives you a score that you can use. And it's pretty, you know, gives you tips as to what you can do to get a better brain. And then my Better Brain Shopping Guide, what 12 foods should you buy and what 12 foods should you avoid to protect your brain? Thank That's you so much. I mean, on behalf of our listeners, they're going to have some people coming over there and popping over to your site, I'm sure, because that is really, really cool because you're talking about some things that are relevant for so many people. And, and you know, one of the things I've seen, uh, Dr. Masley, is the whole situation of people don't have a place of where to start. They don't even have any idea what to do, and they're in denial very frequently about what's actually going on. And if you get a piece of data, it's hard to argue, as you said when we were just doing the introduction, it's very hard to argue with data. And if it's right- And it's free. I mean, there's no, you can get the quiz and the Better Brain Shopping Guide totally free. I'm going to run over and do it myself. It'll be tomorrow morning, but it won't be. we'll get it done for sure because I think it's going to be so interesting. So good. Then the next question is, what's the situation with your thought about some of the uh, there's a controversy in medicine regarding whether these uh, substances, the um, uh, atheros, the like Lipitor, the um, how comes the statins? I couldn't spit it out. Uh, what's your thought about those? Is there a concern about coenzyme Q10? How does all that work together? Because there are people who are already identified as having a problem. They're on a statin. What's your thought about all that? Well, statins are, I mean, some of the most commonly prescribed medicines in the country today. You know, they lower cholesterol, they decrease inflammation in the artery, 
and they improve viscosity so your blood's not so sticky. So, I mean, there's clearly benefits and people at high risk for cardiovascular events like a heart attack and stroke, if you're high risk, very, especially if you've already had a heart attack, I mean, they can be life-saving. I'm not a nihilist. Yes, I believe in lifestyle, but, but if you only take a statin and you eat junk and you don't exercise and you stress yourself out, you're going to keep growing plaque. They, they will slow your demise, but that's all they do is slow your demise. I mean, even the commercials get it right. If you're on a statin, you have to follow a healthy lifestyle. So I find that most of my patients can actually shrink their plaque without a statin, but there are some people who do qualify. And my goal is to give you lifestyle choices, food, nutrients, activity, stress management, so you don't qualify and you don't need a statin and get you off of one if you're on them. But I mean, some people for they are appropriate. The side effects are clear. Um, they can cause brain fog. They raise your blood sugar. The number one cause for memory loss is elevated blood sugar. They can cause muscle inflammation and liver inflammation, and they lower testosterone levels, which isn't great for your romantic life. So if you're a man or a woman, so they do have side effects and they do have benefits. My goal is to help people have an optimal lifestyle so far fewer people need them and use them selectively for those people who are really high risk. So let's take a moment since we're talking about that part of it uh, in terms of recovery. What are the five main brain healthy nutrients that you would recommend? Well, vitamin D is absolutely essential. Um, some B vitamins like vitamin B12. We know if you have low vitamin B12 levels, it can cause permanent irreversible memory loss. You mentioned methylation, like in the very beginning of this program. Mm -hmm. Well, we need mixed folates, not just folic acid and a cheap multi. We need mixed folates to help people with methylation genetic defects correct that. So, um, and we need a probiotic for our gut. You know, the, the gut is the microbiome. Um, environment is so important for our total health, but even our brain health. Many people would call your gut the second brain. And magnesium, if I had to pick a fifth, I would say magnesium, because not only does it help your blood sugar and your blood pressure and prevent muscle cramps and migraines and constipation, but it improves the interconnections, those synaptic junctions between brain cells. When you add magnesium, it helps improve processing speed in the brain. So vitamin D, mixed folates, B12, um, a probiotic, and, um, yeah, and magnesium would be the top five, I would suggest. And if you gave me a six, they might say curcumin, that turmeric extract. Absolutely. Good, good thinking. You know, and for folks who don't know, the vitamin D and B12 are just so easily, you can measure them. You know, what happens, we see so many individuals who don't get measured properly, and you just do a simple measurement as part of a routine eval. And, you know, what uh, Dr. Masley's doing is far more than routine. He's, he's doing the details, but an average person on the street can really find a lot out just by getting a routine B12 and vitamin D from their physician. It happens and all Chuck, probably 80% of people are deficient in those key nutrients, 80%. So I think, you know, I try to provide what testing should you ask your doctor to order? You know, that's part of the Better Brain Solution. What test should you get? What should your results be? And how do you fix it so you don't have deficiencies and you have optimal brain performance? That's really essential part of the Better Brain Solution. Fantastic. Now let's ask about 
you know, we've had several people on you. You may not get a chance to listen much to Core Brain Journal, but we had some really interesting folks on. We had uh, Dr. Sean from Great Plains uh, talking about the GPL tox test that they have. And so in that regard, what are the toxins that you see that are so uh, pervasively destructive and challenging to brain function? And, and what do you do about them? Well, there's some really common ones that impact your brain. One would be mercury, like in people who eat too much tuna, grouper, snapper, bass, swordfish, big mouth fish, pretty high in mercury. We shouldn't be eating too much of them, you know, more than once a week. So, and a third of my patients have elevated mercury and 10% have mercury high enough to decrease their brain performance. So one would really? be cut down on the mercury, you know, mm -hmm. eat more wild salmon and shellfish. And if you eat seafood and probably less big mouth fish, grouper, tuna, bass, snapper, swordfish. Um, another one would be nitrosamines. Those night, I mean, these are very prevalent. They put nitrosamines on all these sandwich meats, processed meats, deli meats. They sprinkle them on to increase their shelf life, right? So, and they, in, not only have we known for years they increase cancer, but now we realize they cause insulin resistance, your blood sugar goes up, and they're toxic to brain cells. They can actually give rodents Alzheimer's disease by feeding them typical doses of bacon intake every day. So if your processed meat needs to be clean, it's not that big much to ask, but if you get organically fed, um, pasture-raised, nitrate-free um, animal products if you eat them. Salami and bologna are out. Unless they're made like from an organic source. You don't want products that have or bacon, you don't want them if they have nitrosamines on them because they're neurotoxic. Now those you, are just examples of a couple really common toxins those that it's easy to avoid. And, you know, we just got to get, I mean, that's one of my goals. How do I make it easy for people to take steps to have a better brain? And this is definitely one of them. It's so valuable. I mean, you hit on a number of really, really interesting points in such a short period of time you summarize it so articulately and so well it's it's really we really appreciate it let's cover one more thing before we leave and that is one of my favorite topics is brain fog you alluded to it a little bit earlier uh what do you, what's that brain fog do you think it's really predominantly cardiovascular i mean or pardon me vascular in origin or what what's your thought about brain fog generally? i think it's neurocell dysfunction 50% of baby boomers and 30% of all adults have high, mildly, slightly elevated blood sugar, and they have insulin resistance. I mean, just to explain it clearly for your listeners, you probably know this, but insulin's the hormone that pushes glucose, sugar into cells to store as energy. So it's the storage hormone. But if you eat too much bread and rice and pasta and potatoes and sugar, you're, you're constantly, you're pushing sugar into the bloodstream and your insulin's trying to push it away and eventually the cells are full. Once the cells are full, they become insulin resistant. But here's the irony. While we're growing fat from too much sugar and flour, our brain cells are paralyzed. They're unable to use the energy. So, you know, if I was to look at your brain, I would expect it to look like a, you know, if we did a PET scan, and we measured your glucose uptake in the brain when you're doing one of these interviews, mm -hmm. I bet your brain lights up like a Christmas tree. It's super active, it's firing on all cylinders. 
But if we take someone with insulin resistance, their brain looks like a dark hole with nothing going on. Mm. There's no activity. The brain cells are paralyzed. They're unable to use energy. And their brain is, not only is it dysfunctional, causing brain fog, forgetfulness, lowered productivity, but their brain cells are dying and their brain's literally shrinking. So millions of people are suffering from this. Probably over 100 million are having brain, you said brain fog. They're forgetful. Um, they can't remember the list from going to a meeting. They have to reread passages in a book or a magazine because they forgot what they read. They can't find their cell phone. They don't know why they walked into the room. You know, all this stuff, the symptoms are brain fog. And for half of a baby boomers and a third of adults, the biggest cause is insulin resistance and something we can totally prevent and reverse. Unbelievable. I mean, really, really, really helpful information. I can't tell you how much I've appreciated you coming on here, Stephen. It's just been great talking to you. And folks, we just got to go out there and I'm going to run over there to the Better Brain Solution. I mean, two you know, his, his website is drmasley.com, D-R-M-A-S-L-E-Y.com. And we strongly recommend you go over and start a foundation of getting a baseline on what are you doing for the next years of your life? Where are you going to go? Are you just going to think about it and remain in some measure as the millions of people that he's been talking about of denial? So, Stephen, Thank you so much for coming on board. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to having you back sometime in the future. Chuck, those are great questions. Really, I appreciate you inviting me and letting me share my message. I th think we have a common goal here to help transform people's life for the better. And I really appreciate the invitation and the chance to talk to your followers. Thank you so much for coming on board. You have a good evening. Thanks for listening to Cobrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive, misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.